Hello, Hartford, and welcome to the Channel 2 Morning Show. Today, our guest is snake trapper Paul Cerrone. Thanks for being here, Paul. It's my pleasure, little baby bird. Okay, so you're from Paraguay, and you... I trap snakes, yes, anacondas. They have a legend of a journey to a sacred lake. First, you pass a waterfall with warrior snakes, then you travel through the land of the Shirishama. Wow, that's great. So, when a snake... Is Mateo here? Mateo, let's move the lights. Wait, what? Who's, who's Mateo? He was an old friend, and I thought I heard him, but no. Still no Mateo. Oh, okay. Well, uh, let's take a break. You know, that's what the anaconda does. It wraps around your body and squeezes you so you can hear all your bones break before you pass away. Ashes to ashes, little baby bird. Please uh, stop calling me that. I'm sorry. It's been a long time since I had a woman. Yeah, I get that. What? You get what? Oh, nothing. Okay, Mateo! Bad science. Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or will we have to fight? Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Bad Science. I'm your host, Ethan Edinburgh, and today we're talking about the greatest snake film of all time, Anaconda. Oh, I thought it was Snakes on a Plane. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, good call. I forgot about that one. Maybe second. The second second best best snake film of all time, Anaconda. Uh, With me are two lovely guests. Uh, First, a returning guest, Dr. Greg Pauly, the Associate Curator of Herpetology at the L.A. Natural History Museum. And uh, your book just came out. Last time we talked, we were were getting ready for your book yeah. and now it's out it's out in the world it's wild LA explore the amazing nature in and around Los Angeles and there are some snakes in the book oh, although great. not as many as I would have liked but oh, it does I'm talk so about sorry lots about of wildlife across Los that. Angeles and they, now I'm going to read they the book limited the amount of snakes that are in there <laughs> I'm going to read the book and be like how many snakes would he have wanted in oh this way book? more yeah 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 <laughs> well that you can make another book we have a 101 species accounts in there and I think at the top of my head it's like three snakes which is like you know 72 few <laughs> 72 few That's snakes. What, we have a lot of snakes in LA. Yeah, we have a pretty good diversity. Like, species-wise, we have pretty good diversity in Los Angeles. Okay. I mean, Southern California in general is really amazing for snake diversity. Well, let me introduce you, because I'm sure the audience is confused and rioting in the streets right now. Uh, it's Nicole Schreiber. She's a comedian, writer, actress that you know from Roast Battle and Funny Girls and the Getting to Know You podcast. Yep, Getting to Know You podcast. That's uh, This is the, the Jewy voice you're hearing on air. <laughs> the, besides Ethan's Jewy voice, you have this other Jewy voice. Yeah, in case there wasn't enough Jewy voices on yes, this show. Um, <laughs> we will be doing doing an allergy commercial at the end of this podcast. <laughs> That's right. Um, so how's it going, Nicole? It's going. Thanks Great. for having me. No. Is, I'm very excited about doing this podcast. Of course. I'm very excited to have you, and I'm also apologetic because I didn't realize that you had a fear of snakes uh, when I asked you to do Anaconda. You know, I went into When you said Anaconda, I was like, yeah, I'll do that. I bet that's going to be really just terrible to watch and funny. Yeah. And as I'm watching it and there's all these snakes, I was like, oh, God, why, why did I say yes to this one? But it's just so bad. It's... Great. Yeah, I we were talking briefly before the pod. Like, I've seen this movie a bunch of times. Yeah. I don't know why. I, do you have the same experience? Yeah, I've seen this movie an embarrassing amount. But yeah. did I rewatch it last night? Absolutely. Yes, was I like, same. God, this movie is just as bad as the first time I saw it. <laughs> I feel I, I did something wrong. Like, as somebody who loves snakes, and I haven't seen that movie in 20-something years. I've seen a bunch of other snake movies, like mm. Snakes on a Plane. Snakes on a Plane. What yeah. other snake movies? Great one. If you want to see, there's like a... 
a, a prequel to Snakes on a Plane. Whoa. It's a thing that's basically Snakes on a Submarine, <laughs> but it's like 30 years earlier. Oh, oh I um, feel like I remember this somehow. <laughs> okay. it's, it's I don't know. The about title it. of the movie is it's Fair to Lance, and the idea is that a bunch of Fair to Lances get loose on. I think it's like a U.S. government-sponsored really submarine. Quick. Fair to Lance is a type of snake. Fair to Lance is a type of snake. Okay. Venomous okay, cool. snake. Confused yeah. about that. Too. Venomous snake. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're it, sounds, already learning. it sounds like it sounds like a gentleman caller from France. If we're being perfectly honest, <laughs> I married a Fair to Lance. If you yeah. remember Herb Tarlick from WKRP in Cincinnati, and I'm just I'm horrible with names, but that the guy who played Herb Tarlick is the lead actor in this sort of bad snakes on the submarine okay. movie. I think it must be from the late 70s, early 80s. Okay. I love how the guys who wrote Snakes on a Plane were probably like, uh, what's another uh, enclosed vessel <laughs> yeah, that we can right. where people can just experience f- sheer terror and panic from snakes? Yeah. yeah. The submarine in the sky. <laughs> and how do like, we pick a name that's way less cool? Yeah. <laughs> for, for anybody who's out there who's like into like these sort of weird creature feature movies or anybody who is like really into snakes, they need to see this movie because it, mm. it is hysterical. Oh, great. And it's, okay. supposed we'll to be a bunch of, it's supposed to be a bunch of fair to land that are like running around and in fact the actual snakes they use are baby boa constrictors which are also also used in anaconda oh and then the uh the parents of the snakes that get loose on the submarine if i remember correctly when they show the parents it's mm-hmm. actually a california king snake and then a corn snake which are two like really common species uh-huh. in the pet trade and uh-huh. then somehow those are supposed to produce these like completely different looking vipers so uh-huh. is that totally because the fair to lance is like too hard to work with. Why wouldn't they use the name? Yeah, of I mean, I don't, I don't, is a real diva. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> is that? I, I don't, don't know. I don't. I think that when you're making a movie about a bunch of snakes loose on a submarine, that probably your budget is not huge. Mm. Yeah, and probably your you concern you for can... accuracy is also probably not especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. thirty years ago, I think these guys get, aren't exactly like, fact checking get, themselves. Get whatever like snake the neighbor kid from next door has available that you can borrow for the afternoon. <laughs> right. I think that's yeah. how it works. Where'd that's you get I'm this good. snake from, Jimmy? I just have to have it back by Sunday. Yeah. His parents didn't mind. They hate the thing. <laughs> Feed it while you have it. Thanks. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I really like this movie. I was excited to rewatch it. I've, I, again, I'm not sure why I've seen it so many times. Maybe it was just on TV growing up. Maybe I that mean, was the thing. I mean, J-Lo and Ice Cube. Can we, yeah. can we all just get to the bottom of the matter? And that is, we want to watch them. Yes. We want to watch those two interact. Yes, they were great. And I think the, taking the cake, though, John Voight. I mean, John Voight. Crushed it right? so hard on that. Yes, I was what impersonating him what the whole villain. time watching the movie. Yeah, I couldn't. I could not get enough. Like even when he's not talking, just his face. Yeah, you know, looking at people that I. I don't know. I adored it. Where did he get that accent from? Oh my god, I was joking about that the entire time. Like, and it kind of changes a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. where is he from? Wait, what, I don't he know. He claims he claims he's from Paraguay. Right, he does say yeah. that, which is like. I, no you know, part of that accent ever <laughs> That's not reminiscent of Paraguay <laughs> at all. No, I don't think Central so. South America. We should have Googled uh, a Paraguayan. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. probably way off, no, but uh, a Paraguayan right. accent because yes. I, I, that does not sound... Like, that sounds like no country. Well, they're also they're in Brazil, right? But nobody ever speaks Portuguese in the entire movie, right? Oh, yeah, all of people speaking Spanish. Yeah, yeah. Mateo speaks Spanish. But, yeah, Mateo speaks. Is Mateo, Mateo speaking is, Spanish? He does Brazilian, randomly speak Spanish. He's speaking yeah. Spanish, not really yeah. to anyone. He's just and like, then J Lo was himself. like, "Can you understand?" And she's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Obviously, you can't. You're not speaking any language back to him. I don't know what you're doing." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, before we get into like Super Snake Land, do okay. you guys have favorite parts of the movie? Because I have several. There's like oh. great quotes. And there's great action sequences, so I wanted to turn it over to you guys as like just memorable moments from Anaconda. Um, what memorable moments when they gave the guy a trach? 
Uh, oh my god, yeah, yeah. so brutal. Um, yeah, brutal. Right? Emer- emergency like, tracheotomy. Emergency tracheotomy. Like the most disgusting knife they could possibly. He goes, "Give find. me some <laughs> alcohol," and I'm thinking, rubbing alcohol. Somebody pulls out booze to <laughs> yeah, sterilize yeah. it. He says it off screen too. He's like, "I have some whiskey in my flask." Um, and I'm like, <laughs> by the way, and he, the device he pulled out. To, what did he pull out to even I, make the trach? It oh, looked no, like was, it was a big knife. pen. It was a big pen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, it was one of those. It was like the clear plastic. Bic yeah. pens, yeah. which is like a you know they basically have, you actually could tube. use that you could yeah, you use could that actually, to make a trach an emergency yeah. trach you could use that okay. pre med Nicole Sharp pre med yes you could you could use that <laughs> but for me I was like uh, the 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 and the fact that the guy at some point gets up later on is like fine. by the way that guy would be dead from infection yes definitely Into, okay. you're you're on the the what's the river we're on in this that was on the it was on I mean some tributary of the Amazon yeah so you're you're in the Amazon the the amount of bugs and oh and, man things that'll kill you floating around and that water they're just in and out of that water all all the the time time. like ice cubes leg by you're you're dying (laughs) of some sort of sepsis from that he got stabbed in the leg you're done you're done you're not getting the knife the knife they use for the tracheotomy like if you remember like ice cube at one point is actually playing with this perfectly clean spider co knife yeah yeah like there's the knife to use but no they grab a knife that i think they'd been like descaling a fish yeah 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 the fish knife it is covered it's absolutely covered with like guts and ooze it's like completely gross and then they shove this into this guy's trachea and it's like oh yeah he'll be fine no problem with no antibiotics for multiple days yeah what a dreamboat. I forgot how cute he was. <laughs> I feel like they built him up as like way more of a dreamboat than he yeah. actually is. Like he's this like all American perfect dude. Yeah. Uh, which don't get me wrong. He's an attractive man and yeah. all that stuff. But I love how they just took him out of the movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he basically lies in a bed for yeah, yeah, yeah. the he's entire 90 percent of the yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was just hilarious. I yeah. love that because his entrance is like, oh, I'm leading this expedition. Yeah. I know what the fuck is up and I'm going to take this guy down. Like he starts uh, like butting heads with John Voight's character. I can't even remember his name. Oh, yeah. Paul. Paul, yeah. Serrano or Paul some, Serrano, something like something that. Something yeah, like yeah. that. Which don't, sounds very We're going to say John Voight because we yeah, don't remember John Voight, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> right. So he's like, I remember most of, I mean, it's such an, it's such an amazing cast. Yes. Owen like Wilson. Yeah. Owen Wilson. Gary. I know his name's Gary, Gary because Paul says it a lot. John Voight keeps saying. Oh, yeah. Gary. But that was, by the way, one of my favorite things was when John Voight did the move where he slides up the pole and just like, Yes. Jitsus and like wraps his neck, wraps his leg around that girl's neck, and then just strangles her to death. And he's yeah. like, "Night, night, birdie," or something like that. Yeah, little bird, little bird. And I was like, "Whoa, uh, very accurate." Yeah, that was a sweet move. Yeah. And, so I, the, oh, the actor we're leaving out, and I totally forgot this because it's been so long since I've seen the movie. But it, uh, this is somebody I'm a huge fan of, and I couldn't believe I didn't know this. But Danny Trejo, Tre- oh, the beginning, the, the, the first guy, the yeah. guy who blows yes. his brains out in the beginning, yeah, yes, commits yes. suicide like 45 seconds into the movie. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, how did I not know? He looks I feel like, like I should I go have one of his donuts or yeah. like one of, his, one tacos of his tacos in yeah. honor yeah. Of, of Trejo. Let's go. I just I just didn't remember he was in this. Yeah. yeah. And he's, I mean, he's one of very, like very seven briefly. people in this movie, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I can't exactly. believe they didn't have him in it more. Oh I, feel God, like, I feel like, by the way, killed. I feel like he would have been a better boat captain than the other dude. Oh, a thousand percent. He should have been Mateo. Mateo, what a boring actor. That guy had no depth. Nothing going on with but Mateo. Think, no know, offense you, you to uh, whoever in a couple is. of these actors that, like, you're... Like, you know from 10 seconds into the movie that that person's going, yeah, he's going, going down. into a snake, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he's going into a snake. There's a certain number of people you have to know, like, oh, they're they're dead. Yeah. And so yeah. you just, I was actually surprised how long he stuck around yeah. before he got eaten. I, I mean, the movie made a bunch earlier. of money, but I feel like it would have made a little bit more if we had Trejo as yeah. Matejo. 
Ne- Trejo is Mateo. That's that's <laughs> hashtag Trejo is Mateo. Um, the did the movie make a lot of money? It did make a lot of really? money. Really, the budget was like forty five mil, and I think it made like one hundred and fifty something mil. Wow, I know. It's because I'm telling shocking. you, it's because of J Lo and Ice yeah, Cube. I know. Yeah, a lot of power there. And, I mean, John Voight. I mean, he's yeah, like, he kills. He really does yeah. great in the in the he film, really, and I think everybody wanted. He's to He's a serious villain. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's a serious actor. The dude's yes, yeah, yeah. The dude's the real deal. Like of everyone on that set, he was like, yeah, swinging the biggest dick for sure. At, especially time. at that time, right? At that time, like definitely. even at that time, like Danny Trejo becomes much more popular sure. immediately after that. I mean, what year was from this film? Ninety-seven, and then from Dust Till Dawn, which I think is right. I mean, he'd been in the movie, yeah. he'd been in the acting business for yeah. a long time before yeah. that. But like that was to me, it's kind of the movie where like he became. Really well known yeah. following that movie. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And you know that was probably filmed right around the same time that Anaconda was filmed. You know mm-hmm. they come out a year apart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just mean, think I mean everybody John was. Boyd was the big name at the time. Yeah, and he and he stole the he stole the film for me. I think everybody did great. I'm yeah. not trying to like take anything away from Ice Cube or yeah. J Lo. Like everybody was fine. But every second that he's making faces and yeah. his little lines. Yeah. Of... J Lo was basically playing herself. Yeah. By the way, terrible yeah. actor. Um, <laughs> she's definitely gotten better since then. But like. The acting was so bad, I wanted to gouge my eyes out. <laughs> I don't um, think this is like a multi-cut sort of film shoot. You know, Ice Cube, Ice Cube was great though. Ice Cube was just playing himself. Yes, yeah. also playing himself. Nailed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, John Voight really brought like. I think when John Voight signed on to do that movie, he was like, "I have. Do I have anything in my schedule? Any? I have literally nothing in my schedule. All right, <laughs> yeah. cool. I are we going to some hot area where I'm going to get a tan? Great. I'll I'm go in. there. That's it. Yeah. That's the only reason he took that movie. He had literally nothing else to do. One one of my favorite parts uh, is when that dude, I can't remember his name, the British guy. Oh, uh, oh yeah. yeah. The, the guy who's supposed to be narrating the, the documentary. The guy who's golfing yes. on the boat yeah. yes. the yeah. whole time. All the time. I love how there like, times they're like, oh, we're so concerned about the ecosystem. And then at other times he's just shooting golf balls yeah. right off the into yeah, the river. Right off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he is Whit- Whitridge, Woodridge, it's something like Whit- that, right? Whitberg. Or Whit- no, no, he's not a burg. Um, <laughs> I wish. Witten, Wit. Well, let's call Whatever. him Wit. So he is trying to escape the snake at one point and climbs up into a waterfall, yeah. and then the snake is, like, looking for him. I have so many questions about this part, Greg. But so the snake is, like, going up and puts his head into the waterfall, sees him, and then to try to escape, he jumps out, and then midair, the snake, like, snatches him yeah. by the face and wraps him up. And I th- oh, that's all totally, totally realistic. Yeah, okay, great. no doubt. <laughs> by the way, the face, the face snatching, the snake is snatching everybody the by the snake, face. Yes, yeah, goes right. So for actually, the dome. so so the honest answer is that no, there is nothing in that entire sequence. That entire sequence <laughs> is all few, completely bogus. Right. So. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sure. I don't even know where to start. There's so many things that are wrong. Well, well like, what, since we what, mentioned the face snatching, yeah. repeatedly in this movie, the anaconda bites people, like, in the head or, the or shoulder or, shoulder or yeah. torso or something, uh-huh. right? So that basically, if you look at if you look at the cases of big snakes, mm-hmm. which, of course, are never as big as that are shown in this movie, but if you look at the cases of big snakes actually having predatory bites on humans, those bites are usually below the waist. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, like, calf is... Closer you know, to the ground or water because yeah. that's where they're yeah. at. And it's these are huge animals. It's not like they can easily pick large amounts of mass up off the ground. And so they're going to bite. And, and if they were up high off the ground, you would see them. So yeah. right. like if it's like an anaconda, which mm-hmm. is a mostly an aquatic animal anyway, if it's an anaconda and it's in like a marsh, it's, yeah. it's underwater. Yeah. Well, here's one of the things that they said in the explanation of the anaconda is that it's like a heat seeking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, that part's not true. That oh I was my like, God. Why I include don't, that. I don't 
didn't think that that didn't sound accurate at well, so all. So it's not so so boas so boas and pythons and an anaconda is mm. basically is it's in the family boidae so it's it's mm. one of the boas mm-hmm. and of course pit vipers all have these you know these pits on their face that allow them to sense thermal signatures so they're oh. sensing infrared so okay. like boa constrictors have that for example rattlesnakes in our area have that for okay. example but it turns out although anacondas are boids they actually don't have those heat sensing pits uh-huh. which, which kind of makes a little bit of sense like if you're a mostly an aquatic animal and you're swimming around in kind of murky water yeah, you're not, you're you not probably don't want to have register. like a bunch of like openings on the front of your face that yeah. are getting full of silt and dirt and so forth so that makes sense and you're also probably at least for things like fish they're they're the same temperature as the background so it's yeah. not doing you any yeah. good mm. so anacondas actually don't have those heat sensing pits whereas lots of other boid species do uh-huh. and so they took that information like you know general information about boids uh-huh. and then just sort of threw it in there anyway even though it's at not, least it's not, at least it's based in some sort of fact yeah, it's I, that's not kind of nice you know, it's not completely out there. Super yeah. accurate. Okay. Yeah. So, but it's not way, way, yeah. way, way so they're, out there. So they're not, they're also, I mean, it's an anaconda. It's not a species. You know, this is a, this is the world's most massive snake, right? These things achieve the largest weights of any snake species. So the size today. of the snakes that were in the film. Were ridiculous. That's, they'll never be that big. Yeah. So like what those snakes are like, they, the opening, like the opening paragraph is this like beautiful opening paragraph, right? That comes across the screen and mm-hmm. it says like, they're enormous, they're ferocious, they reach 40 feet long. Right. None of these things are true. Right. Like the actual like size records are like half that. So yeah, I saw that they're usually like 17 feet and the largest uh, that were ever found was like 25 feet. But there's like a lot of uh, controversy about this. Yeah. There's like tons of reports, but they're not validated. Exactly. So, so there's lots. Of, I mean, it's also so you would think like how hard it could it be to measure. Like yeah, get a bunch a of rulers together. Foot. Yeah, and just it. like take a steel tape measure, go You're from like, the hey, tip guy, of the snout. Yeah. yeah, but if it's alive, <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not like it's cooperating with you. Yeah. So it's, sure. you basically need the animal to be dead, and then you know you need to sort of have some w- some way to like reliably measure it when that yeah. animal is dead. Yeah. yeah, and the reality is like most of these cases that are claiming something like twenty five feet, twenty four feet, twenty six feet. There's a few like ridiculous cases that are trying mm-hmm. to claim over thirty feet. There's no there's no solid documentation that that's the case. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this best study is by this guy, Jesus Rivas, who in the late 90s and early 2000s was measuring huge numbers of uh, green anacondas on the Llanos of Venezuela. And was he least, catching them? Yeah, he was catching them. I mean, ca- caught hundreds of them. How Ooh. do you catch a fucking snake that big? Yeah. Yeah, I think carefully would be the sure. right But for word. real, though, what, do you, like do, what do you do? So it turns out that, I mean, these anacondas, like, you know, they're not crazy aggressive. So oh. they want to be in the water. Totally so the opposite. Basically, they're Were you, trying was to he avoid... killing a monkey and bait catching <laughs> no, with a monkey? He was, his, yeah, did not use that technique. No, they wandered around in areas where they occur looking for anacondas, you know, walking around barefoot in like marshy habitats. Still sounds like a dangerous so I, game. Yeah. Oh, God. And in fact, they actually published a paper from that work, two of um, Jesus Rivas's field assistants were actually involved in potential predatory attempts. So two Damn. people were struck at by anacondas. Struck? Struck at. Struck at. So in one case, um, they 
actually realize what was happening before the snake struck. So it looked like the snake was sort of following the field assistant for Whoa. something like, say, seven, eight feet, tongue flicking a lot, so sensing the environment around it, mm. possibly trying to estimate how big this prey item was to figure out whether it was something it could go after. And at that point, you know, Jesus was able to, you know, realize what was going on. There was a photographer who actually had a photographic sequence of this. And Jesus kind of grabbed the snake right as the snake sort of lunged at the person and the person was jumping backwards. So they weren't able, the snake actually didn't get off a full strike and the person got away. Okay, so the anaconda kills by biting? So it it's going to bite something and then it's going to, it is a constrictor. It's going to wrap a couple of coils around it. And you uh-huh. see that, that's actually, you do see that in the movie. It's going to okay. wrap a couple of coils around it and it's going to try to basically suffocate. Yeah, Yeah, squeeze it to death is actually a better way to say it because the actual ways in which the prey item dies are Mm -hmm. usually like diverse. So it could be like if you're in water, what you actually probably die from is drowning. If you're not in water, like... You know, you tried to jump out of a waterfall to escape a snake, and the snake grabbed you from a tree. Then you know you're not going to drown necessarily. Uh, but it'll like break your bones. But then what's going to happen? Yeah, is it's going to constrict. Yeah. And so you have lots of potential things that are going to happen. You can have, you can die of a stroke, because your blood pressure, particularly in your veins, is going to skyrocket. So Whoa. possibly you're going to have like an aneurysm, stroke out. You're also going to have lack of oxygenated blood flowing through your body. So you know you have all this like circulatory arrest, potential stroke. You have all these potential things going on. Uh-huh. You have bones potentially getting crushed. Uh-huh. Um, so there's like numerous ways yeah. that this yeah, whole body act of being that. sort of yeah. scrunched. So, but I want to go back for one second. You you you're saying that he saw that the snake oh, yeah. was attacking somebody and he grabbed it. Yeah. So then they grabbed it so that it couldn't have this full strike. And then you know they then they worked up that animal. They actually did you know they did measure that animal. They tried to get a length measurement. And they, but you know, wouldn't did how they, do I guess, they hold it? What do they do with its fucking head? Right. That's yeah, what I was going to so say. Wait, isn't that snake strong enough that it's going to yeah. coil up? Yeah, we've got, in this case, they had several people there, and so they're able to sort of rustle around with the snake, and it's going to get tired relatively quickly. Remember that these are like Whoa. these anacondas are massive animals, and so what they they're so big that actually they're not very mobile on land, and so at least <laughs> so in terms wait, of like that was a ridiculous distances. part of the film, then, right? Yeah, because yeah, that so thing this, was flying. So anacondas are not arboreal; they're not climbing up into trees; they're not moving quickly on land. They oh. certainly are great. They're great. Swimmers. Are their scales different than other snakes that are land dwelling snakes? Not especially. So, like sea snakes, for example, there are some sea snakes that have these really modified bodies that allow them that are kind of like the whole body becomes kind of fin like, mm-hmm. and they're able to then propel themselves really well in water. And we're not seeing that. Like an anaconda is still kind of like, you know, sort of your typical kind of snake build. It's just really big. Yeah. Um, but they're still able to move pretty well in water. But on land, that's just a huge amount of bulk to be moving around. Yeah. And so they're not incredibly quick. Wow. At that's least over like longer distances on land. one of those things where it's like land. when you're in outer space for a long time, your bones aren't used to like bearing full weight. Right. And so I'm sure snakes like they feel like light and airy in the water, and then when they get to the land, they're like, "Oh, my body is really heavy." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just a yeah. lot of you just that's a lot of mass yeah. that they're moving around, and yeah. so they're not incredibly mobile wow. on land. So okay. yeah, would not think. But that. certainly, they're great swimmers in the water. Yeah, and they want to spend their time in the water. But if you start, you know, if there's three, you know, adults messing around with, you know, something like a, this, that particular one that struck was. My recollection is something like five and a half meters. So, you know, this is not a tiny snake. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's still going to tire out pretty quickly with sort of wrestling around with these people. And so they're able to basically grab it right behind the head. Sort mm. of once that head is secure, then you can kind of go ahead and try to take your measurements, which even then are going to be relatively, you know, if you like measured repeatedly, yeah. you'd probably find that there's like, you know, 10, 15, 20 percent error because yeah. it's just hard to take measurements on this animal that's kind of moving around. Right, now, right. the snake, the anaconda, the bite from the anaconda, it releases venom. Nope, no venom. 
not so it's a, it's a stunt. It's just a the bite is just to like the bite is to secure that thing from running okay. away. So they're going to bite it and then they're going to wrap their coils around it. But the bite won't the bite won't kill you. The bite won't do no, anything. No, the bite I mean as you pointed out earlier, the bite's probably going to kill you if you're like, you know, in murky water, yeah. don't have oh. access to antibiotics, it's like you the know. infection will kill you. The infection yeah. might kill you, you know, days later. And they have no. teeth that will get down in you or how Yeah, so that? I mean it's, you know, they they've got pretty long teeth, a big chunk of their prey items are going to be things like um, capybara as well as fish. And so you've got to have teeth that are like gonna be able to grip something yeah. that has like, you know, relatively thick sort of fish scales. Mm. And you also want to have teeth that are gonna get through the fur of something like a capybara and actually, you know, be able to get some grip on yeah. the actual body of the animal. So yeah, yeah they've got yeah, they've got teeth. If it bites yeah. you that's gonna you're hurt. gonna. It's gonna hurt. You know, yeah. you're gonna be bleeding. Yeah. But the real problem is that that keeps you from running away, yeah. and then it's gonna wrap a couple of coils around you. And, you know, done so. Exactly. Yeah, and then, what do you do if if it starts wrapping its coils around you? Is there anything, or you're done for? Yeah. I mean, I think you know, for an adult. So first of all, like, let's be clear with anacondas. There's not a single documented case of a human fatality as a result of an Oh, anaconda. so that thing that we saw on the internet where they opened up a snake and there was the body of a villager in it. Yeah. So that's a real. That's a. That is real. Oh. That is a real incident okay. that is a different species of snake. So that's a reticulated python, oh, which good. is the world's longest species of snake. So like, Oh, wait a minute. I thought the Why didn't they make reticulated snakes? So there are. There's a whole other set of movies called Python that are based on oh. that are based on we reticulated Python. Yeah. So and then there's eventually there's I think there's even one that's like Anaconda versus Python and there's that's Python hilarious. versus Freddy versus a bunch of other Jason stuff. So, versus yeah, yeah. Anaconda versus Anaconda <laughs> versus, versus, Python. versus Python. <laughs> and so there are these reticulated pythons, like documented, 24, 25 feet long. So wait a minute. I thought, I thought the green longer. anaconda was the longest snake. Green anaconda is the largest snake based on mass. Oh, oh so it's the fatty tuna. So, it's so big fatty and it is guy. probably uh, it is probably number two on length. There's actually mm. some debate about that because there's so much speculation about, you know. Was the snake twenty four feet? Was it twenty five feet? Exactly right, right, how big right. Were they? Uh-huh. And so, so comparable uh, length, but the yeah. anaconda is a thicker exactly. mama, much more massive okay. animal. So thicc reticulated yeah. pythons, which do get a little bit bigger, um, and actually can be arboreal. So that's actually like oh. if they wanted to have these scenes with like something climbing, climbing around a, tree. a yeah. waterfall or climbing into a tree, like a reticulated python would totally been realistic. Okay, so they could have just shifted to be in. In Southeast Asia, and they could oh, focus on those, reticulated. Those, that's yeah, where, okay. Yeah. And they are reticulated pythons are known for having taken out people. In that video Ooh. that sort of went viral on the internet a couple of years ago, of one being opened up and finding a human body inside, yeah. that was real. Yeah. Damn. So, how long does the digestive process of a snake take? So it's going to vary based upon the size. Oh, of oh the wait, prey. really quick, re- rewind, hold that, put a pin in that. Um, the there was he in some point in the movie someone said or maybe the caption said that they play with their prey anaconda plays with their prey yeah yeah so, so this is that up. opening this is that opening oh, paragraph yeah. like, so i was like yeah. it's it's ferocious it's enormous they get 40 feet long and you're like no 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 and then the next sentence of that opening paragraph is um, I actually wrote it down because it was so absurd. Uh, they will regurgitate their prey in order to kill and eat again. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, first of all, like when you read that line, you're like, okay, that's completely absurd. That makes no sense yeah. for a whole variety of reasons. But then like, <laughs> this is awesome because you know that at some point in the movie, it's going to regurgitate some oh, human. When and John like, Boyd got great. regurgitated and Love he winked that. at her, I was yeah. like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Go away. And that was the best because you're like, you Love know something's going to get regurgitated. And then I watched that scene where John Voight 
gets regurgitated, and then I'm like, wait, did he wink? Like, yeah. he's dead. Totally Why is he winks. winking? Like, he, he's dead. Because the filmmakers were like, how he awesome has, would it how be? How dead was he? <laughs> Not <laughs> dead enough. <laughs> we don't know. So, that, was he, such a, that was such a great scene. So... <laughs> But totally absurd, right? Like, why would a snake, like, why would a snake go through all of this incredible energy expenditure and right. putting itself at risk? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You know, you take out a large prey item, like you're putting yourself at risk. Like, you might lose an eye. You know, this. I thing love might, how you're getting into the psychology of a this snake. Thing might, yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> exhausting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it is Put physically exhausting, shoes, but it's also like a really risky thing. Put it in your scales. Like, <laughs> if you're if you're eating like so, anacondas eat caiman, for example. Like, if you're taking out a caiman and you don't secure a bite and get that thing wrapped up quickly yeah. and it gets a couple of chomps into you, like, yeah. That's an issue, right? Right. Yeah. That's sure. And if that's a chomp into your eye, like, oh, dude, you I'll might watch lose Cayman's. an eye. Oh, those, those, <laughs> so they're killing machines. So, like, these are things that, like, they have to, you know, that's like something that they would. So they don't be barf up. About. That doesn't happen. And then, so you once you get this thing down, and also let's think about like the way. By the way, do any snakes regurgitate? So yes, many snakes will occasionally regurgitate in a very specific set of mm. conditions. So I'll get to those in just a second. They're okay. on a roller coaster. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> yeah. After an earthquake, yeah. they right. drank too much. Yeah, they drank uh, too much. Dragnet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'll do it. Uh, so if you think about like the way snakes eat, they mostly eat things head first, right? So like, let's say you Uh-oh. eat, like, let's say you eat something like a capybara. Well, a capybara has kind of pointy hooves, right? So you get this thing, or whatever, pointy feet. And so you get this thing down, and then you think about trying to regurgitate that. Well, those, like, first of all, that hair that is all laid down nicely because you ate it head first mm-hmm. is now going to, like, as you try to regurgitate it, it's going to be poking the insides yeah. of your Can't digestive tract. And those feet and limbs uh-huh. and other things. Let's say it's a bird. Well, then all the bird feathers are going to be, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. poking against. Or let's say it's some oh. animal that's got, like, serious claws on its feet, right? Sure. That's going to be catching your digestive lining as you try to regurgitate this. Yeah. Let's say you, let's say it's something like an African rock python and it actually eats like an antelope. Well, now you've eaten something that's got like horns. horns. How does that happen? How do you regurgitate that? Like there's only one way that these things can go down. So in general, like, no. So a snake will consume something with giant horns like that and their body will break that down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And digest and digest all of it. Like when a snake and they actually they actually actually allude to this in the movie. So at one point they like pick up some. Some dust, gray the dust, dust yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're, they're like, like that's oh, what's left. it's just ash. That's all that's left. It's yeah. not ash, but their digestive system is so incredibly efficient that it actually will break down bone. And so when they defecate, uh-huh. you basically get sort of two things, right? You get the actual like chunk of doo-doo, the doo-doo chunk, Poopy. which is like looks like poop. It's brown and looks like poop. And there might be things like hair in it, but not much. And there's not going to be bone. And then you get uh-huh. this, you get their nitrogenous waste. So basically like... The way that, you know, when we pee, what we're, what we're getting rid of is we're getting rid of our nitrogenous waste. But uh-huh. when reptiles do that, and just think about this with a bird, and of course birds uh-huh. are reptiles, uh-huh. what do you end up with like on your car? You end up with that sort of white, gross kind uh, of yeah, pasty yeah, yeah. thing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, most snakes are much more concerned about um, not losing a lot of water. And so they actually dry that way down into this sort of white, Whoa. nitrogenous, sort of uric acid kind of ball. So that that's what then, that was? That and so, and when that sort of decomposes over a year or two, yeah, it just turns into like a white a dust. dust. Oh, so like so actually bad. that that's wasn't crazy. totally absurd. But yeah, they fully digest all of this. And so when it comes out the other end and it can take, you asked, I think you asked like yeah, how long it take. Process, so yeah. like if it's a big snake and it eats a huge prey item, mm-hmm. It might be something like a couple of weeks. So that'll sustain a snake for a couple of weeks. Oh, no, that'll sustain a snake for 
months and months okay. and months. Wow. But they might poop it out within a couple of weeks. They've okay. already sort of accumulated as much of that Damn. energy. So they just brand. don't eat for a few months because they're yeah, like exactly. they're good. So if like if an anaconda, let's say an anaconda, like let's say it's a big anaconda, and like okay, a big anaconda is not. Let's say it's a seventeen pounds. foot. Anaconda. Let's say it's a seventeen foot, two hundred pound anaconda. And in that study we were talking about, that study led by Jesus Rivas and the uh, Llanos of Venezuela, the biggest snake they documented was something like seventeen point one feet and two hundred and fifteen pounds. But let's say a 215-pound snake eats a 100-pound capybara. So I don't know. Is that now a 315-pound snake? Like, Yeah. But then it's going to poop, and it's going to be back to being a 220-pound I mean, snake I weigh myself before and after every poop, and that sounds Yeah, it makes right. a difference, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, so now let's say it eats something like that big capybara. A huge capybara like that, that might last it six, eight months. Wow. Yeah. And now, is it hungry in that time? Yeah, so I mean that's I mean that's you know it's hard for us to know like what a like, snake is feeling. You don't talk yeah, to snakes. Yeah, I mean I eat even if I'm even if I'm completely full, I'll still keep eating. Yeah, because, same. Because it's awesome. Yeah, because that's just what I do. It's fun. Um, and are they pooping the whole time, or is it one big poop? And yeah. So this actually is sort of interesting too. Like in anacondas, I don't know the so, so so in some species of snakes, people have actually looked at the rate at which prey items pass through, mm-hmm. and so oftentimes it's like really short, right? Like so. Anybody who owns a pet snake sort of knows, like, you know, you feed it a couple mice and, like, six, eight days later, like, there's a poop, right? There's there's mm-hmm. the mice coming out the other end. And so Wait, we actually— does s- it come out mice-like? Oh, no. It looks like poop. Okay, good. Yeah. Good, good, okay. Yeah. yeah Although like drier and less smelly than, like, human poop. You know, he, we have—humans have really fairly good access to water, so we don't have the necessity of, like, trying to prevent trying water to loss. Uh, a lot of snakes from, yeah. do. And so their poops tend to be much, much drier. Um, but— with these, uh, oh, no, I totally got sidetracked here. Uh, how often they poop. Uh, oh, yeah. So what we know with in some species of snakes, and this is particularly in vipers, um, what people have done is they've taken little plastic beads and attached plastic beads to the mice, like colored beads. Whoa. And then they can actually see, like, when does that bead oh, come out okay, the other yeah, end, yeah. right, in a captive animal. And okay. what we know is that in some cases, vipers will retain these, like, food boluses, these mm-hmm. former prey items, in their digestive tract for extremely long periods of time, like maybe something like a year. Wow. In the thought, or, but but is that maybe perhaps they're not passing the bead? Maybe they are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's so right. But, that. like, but this... Yeah, you might say, well, like, maybe somehow the plastic, but this yeah. is a little tiny plastic yeah. bead, like yeah. the kind of thing that you would, like, you know, put a like sewing a needle bracelet. through, like on okay, a little yeah. bracelet, yeah. yeah. Like, why would that suddenly go at a different speed through the digestive tract than, like, the rest of the mouse, right? Mm. I mean, perhaps, like, the digestive lining, it adheres to the digestive yeah, lining. Yeah, but, like, okay. but it's, like, you, there's nothing, like, it's super not, This obvious, isn't 100% right? accurate, yeah. okay? Yeah, I mean, let's, I mean, come on, this is, you know, we're putting a plastic bead through the digestive tract of a snake, like, we're doing, you know. yeah. This is, this is pretty unique science yeah. here. So um, what we see, though, is that in some vipers, they actually retain, they seem to retain parts of that prey item for incredibly long periods of time. And the thought is that maybe this is basically like used as ballast. So they're kind of like weighting down the back end of their body. And maybe this is like allows them to sort of have the back end of their body kind of anchored with some mass and therefore allowing the front end of the body to then be thrown forward during their predatory strikes. Ah, uh, that makes That's sense. That's the thought. Oh. But this is only this is only sort of Bottom figured out heavy. like 15 years ago. Mm. And I don't think anyone's looked at this in anacondas, like whether or not they do this. But we know mm. that in parts of the range of the anaconda that they go through dry seasons. Mm. And so if they get something like a big capybara, they yeah. might, you know, hole up somewhere where there's a little bit of moisture, but maybe not much access to food. And they might go six, eight, ten months without eating, you know, through some of these dry periods. Crazy. I feel like there's a lot of animals that do that sort of thing where they yeah, yeah. hibernate. Food storage. Type move. And you just got to think about it, right? I mean, this is a snake. And so they're getting lots of 
you know, they're thermoregulating, right? Like their their metabolism isn't cranking all the time like ours is. Like our metabolism is going through huge amounts of, you know, energy is just burning through calories because it's trying to keep us, you know, roughly at 98.6 degrees, right? Mm -hmm. Well, a snake is like, I'm not going to bother with that. That's ridiculous. So I'm going to use the environment to thermoregulate. You know, if I'm cold, then I stick a coil out into the sunshine. If I'm too hot, I move into the shade. Yeah. And so they don't have to burn through all these calories, mm. right? And so as a result, they don't have to take anywhere near the amount of food that we do. So something oh, like a big meal a couple times a year, you're good to go. So that's another bullcrap part of the movie is that he eats somebody and then he's like, I'm starving. Yeah, so I mean, I guess if you know, if you want to make a scary predator, if you want to have a snake be a scary predator, then you've got to have it be in the situation where like it's going to keep eating. Right, or there's yeah, a bunch I of mean, snakes. That, there's a, yeah. snakes for eat, so this is where like, this is where yeah. like, I wish they had talked to a herpetologist because like there were so many cool things they could have done. Mm -hmm. Like this is one of these, this is often the case in these sorts of movies where like the actual reality is way better than some of the stuff that people imagine. Right. And so like we know that during mating season, like female anacondas often end up in these mating balls where you have multiple males. Yes. All going after about a female. This. So I like, had no idea about that. Why not have them come across? Like you don't need one snake to take out seven people. You could just have seven snakes take out seven people. Yeah. And that's like, way that scarier too. That way cooler. Yes. Wait a minute. So it's a bunch of snakes trying to get with the lady snake. Yeah. It's a bunch of males all going after the same female. Yeah. I feel like that's a common theme in the animal kingdom. Yeah, I yeah. think it's not not necessarily isolated to snakes. Yeah, I I, I wrote it down. I read that like uh, like they put out some sort of like pheromone or something that the males pick up on, and so they Wait, all. This is starting to sound like snakes on a plane now. Yeah, <laughs> they all uh, uh, get to the same female, and then like you're saying, they like wrap into this ball because they're all trying to mate with her. Yeah, but they'll just stay there for like a long period of time. Yeah, with the idea. Well, there's lots of things that are so there's. This varies by species of snakes, right? Okay. And there's lots of things that are going on, and there's probably there's a ton of stuff that we still don't know very much about. Like, there's these garter snakes, for example, that in the northern end of the of the range of these garter snakes, it's actually up in like central Canada. Okay. So there's these snake dens in places like Manitoba, where you might get something like ten thousand garter snakes coming out of a single sort of hibernaculum, right? Whoa. So there's literally like a carpet of these snakes cruising around. Oh, and so one Jesus. of the thoughts <laughs> is that these females, there's actually females that, you know, are giving off pheromones that's saying they're ready to mate. Okay, so, and so also reptiles some, are pheromonal creatures? Yeah, they oh, and way more than we have, you know, okay. we barely have scratched the surface of understanding okay. this, but like you look at things wow. like lizards, like lizards have these femoral pores, like on the underside of their legs, they have all these pores that are exuding these sort of waxy secretions, mm -hmm. much bigger in males than in females. We don't really have any understanding, like what's the level of communication going on there in terms and of... And is it the same thing, because I know in the animal kingdom um, the there's that protein within pheromones that that prevents um, like incest, like an animal of a related animal won't want to procreate with another so animal. This is highly, it's really like we have barely scratched the surface of okay. understanding things like what we call kin recognition. So yeah. how do things recognize that? I thought, close yeah, relatives. I thought kin recognition was because of the, the, the M there's what's the protein. Well, it just varies yeah. by, it just varies yeah. by species. Right. Okay. And in some cases we might have some ideas and in some cases we might, you okay. know, we might have no idea, but we know that like things like there's like cannibalistic morphs in certain tadpole species, like mm -hmm. there's cannibals and then there's non cannibals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we know that in some cases the cannibals recognize their kin like but we don't know necessarily how they're yeah. doing that yeah. in all yeah. cases so yeah there's just like tons of weird and snakes okay. will do that sometimes too right they so these snakes so like can you eat each other oh yeah there's no definitely like there's lots of snakes that eat other snakes wow. um that doesn't necessarily mean that there's a high level of cannibalism there are certainly oh. some cannibalism but what we tend to see more is like 
you know, king cobras eating other species of snakes or mm-hmm. king snakes eating other species of so snakes. So interspecies. Yeah, so you see a lot more of that than you see necessarily with cannibalism, but certainly cannibalism occurs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so so going back to this idea of like, you know, you get these big snake dens and some of the females we think what they're actually doing is like they're actually, because they're having all this activity from these males, is that it's actually warming them up early in the spring season, mm-hmm. you know, here at the northern limits of the range. There's actually males that give off pheromones that also confuse some males into thinking that they're females as uh-huh. well. So maybe that's helping them to warm up faster. Wow, so there's like, there's so many things going on in these mating balls. There's yeah. also just sort of the straight idea of like all the males are kind of wrestling and competing to get access mm-hmm. to the female. Right. Could also be that we have what's called mate guarding, which is like one male does mate and then mm-hmm. that male sticks around to try to make sure that other males don't have an opportunity to mate. Yeah. Whoa. So it just, there's a ton of stuff that could be going on. Just we just don't know. Different, and we just don't yeah. know. Yeah. Wow. And are they do we know if they are sensing these pheromones with their tongue? Is that part of that whole? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. what's the pheromone receptor? Yeah, exactly. So it's what people would call the vomeronasal organ or the Jacobson's organ, and which is basically what they're doing when they're sticking their tongue out is mm-hmm. they're basically drawing in air molecules, and then they're ah. basically tasting, they're sensing those air molecules and using that to get an understanding of what's going on in the environment around them. Okay. Ah. And so absolutely, that's, that's their... Some they're male snake this. is like, girl, you tasty. <laughs> so you're I seeing- haven't even tasted you, but your air molecules are delicious. Yeah. <laughs> and from a distance. So yeah. like, I was in a field once uh, up in Northern California looking for one species of snake, and I came across these garter snakes, and it was this big female garter snake, and she kind of, I just was kind of watching her move through the grass, and she actually basically came right up to me, and then, like, kind of realized, oh, big, scary human, and I'm out of here, and sort of took off to get away. And, like, five seconds later, here comes a male following the exact track. Same thing, came up, tongue flicked, and so, and you'll see this, we actually, what, what snake biologists do is we actually count the frequency of tongue flicks, we count that tongue flick mm-hmm. rate. And that's a way, that's a sort of like a way of judging interest. And so you can do that for like trying to assess like what seems to be the most appealing in terms of potential prey items. Mm-hmm. But you can also watch snakes tongue flick as they're trying to, like male snakes trying to track down a female. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so absolutely, like, you know, you can watch, as I did in this day in this field in Northern California, you can watch these male snakes mm-hmm. and they are clearly picking up the scent of mm-hmm. that female and they are using that to track where that female has moved. Wow. And you absolutely see that, you know. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go, back to the show about science. You get, I mean, I would be so scared. I'm not, I don't even have a fear of snakes, but I mean, you're out there purposefully trying to find snakes or trap snakes or, I mean, how does that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to like, I'm not. I'm not purposely trying to find 25 foot long reticulated pythons. Right. I mean, so even like, if I saw a what three would you foot do? snake, what would you do? That's a good question. I would be. I mean, as long as I knew that I was safe, right? Like, there's multiple people around, whatever. I mean, you can. How judge. does that make? Yeah. You well, how does that make you, you feel? Can, any well, because if there's multiple people around, then presumably they can help you know wrestle the thing off. Yeah. If, you know, you oh, did you see the, the video? Did you see the video of the? I don't know what kind of snake it was. You'll know that wrapped around that dog, and they beat the the snake off of the dog, and the, it let go of the dog. Oh, eventually. I haven't seen this Whoa. video. Oh. Oh wait, yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe a couple it, years ago. I follow this. I mean, I just saw it on. I follow all these different hashtags. Hashtag nature is metal. Hashtag nature is brutal. <laughs> I love watching animals kill animals. It's like cool. I, the most fascinating thing in the world to me. Um, but yeah, there was a snake that had wrapped itself around a dog. How did they beat it off? With like fucking sticks. And there, uh, there's it's another language. I don't know what the hell they're saying. Yeah. And they're and the, like, and did the dog live? I can't yeah, remember. the dog oh, walked out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did see this video, and I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember where it was filmed. I mean, the dog. I don't know if the dog lived, but in the video, it lived. Yeah, it I don't remember away. where it was filmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we certainly like. 
so a bunch of these big snake species, so African rock pythons, uh, certainly reticulated pythons, those are, and even boa constrictors here in the New World, like those are species that are absolutely around human dwellings. Yeah. And there's lots of reasons for that, right? Like where, there, where there's people, there's usually dogs, there's often cats, there's goats, there's sheep, mm-hmm. maybe there's cattle. Like there's a lot of potential prey items for these, shit. for these big snakes. And so, and there's also, I mean, let's face it, there's also where there's humans, there's rats. Like, yeah, yep. that's some sweet snake food. That's an and easy so, get, yeah. yeah. Should so have more snakes around. We it. need so more snakes in New York. That. That's yep. what the New York subway needs, snakes. Yep. So you're going to see this, right? Like, and I remember that there's that video and they, you know, whatever, they they beat the poor snake and the poor snake didn't get his meal. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the snake's the victim. Totally. See, they, I remember they were beating, I, I do remember the video, but mostly what I remember taking away from it was like, oh, the poor snake. Like, I think they ultimately let this snake go. I think, the I snake think they did were just get away, trying yeah. to get the, let this dog go go. Or they ended the video and then killed the yeah. snake, which is really cool. I mean, common. they might have done that. Yeah. Do you have a pet snake? I, I do have a couple pet snakes. Yeah. Whoa. How about, you have two pet snakes. I have three. You have three pet snakes. Yeah. In what are their names? What are their names? What kind of snakes are okay, they? So, what do they eat? So one of, so I'm, I'm 41. One of them I got when I was 15. Wow. wow. So that one is named. His name is Audubon. After Audubon. The, after Audubon. the painter naturalist. Autobahn. <laughs> no, no, no. Autobahn. That's, that's the freeway. That's the German highway system. Uh-huh. That's, oh. But Auto, Auto, O-T-T-O. O-T-T-O. A U D, so Audubon, A U D U B O N, is the painter naturalist. Okay. So you are smart, fifteen year old. And then fucking nerd. Oh man, I had had an Audubon book as a kid, just Uh. like the book. So he was this amazing painter, and I had this book of all of his paintings, and I would just sit there and like. What would he paint? Amazing. Uh. Mostly birds. He was mostly mostly birds, but did Uh, other stuff. Snake. I was. I was admittedly. I was very into Frank Netter. Um, He's. uh, He. He's a artist of. the human body like he does oh. he's driven he's driven he's drawn every organ every oh, you cool. know any any human body he's anyways draws yeah. all that shit you can, yeah. you can name Netter. your next pet that yeah Frank, i'm gonna name him frank <laughs> frank Netter. yeah yeah so yeah. i named that snake audubon after mm-hmm. after the naturalist and then my other two snakes sadly i got at a later point in my life where i was like no longer felt the need to necessarily give them a name mm-hmm. uh i have a an east african sand boa which is just East African Sambo. I've never given her a name. And she's actually, I got her when she was 10 years old, and I got her in 1999. Wow. So, so you don't, like, talk and, to her? And or she, when she was in, she says, so that how means do you that, know that's her age? So the person, that, you, you the person I got age. her from said he'd had her for 10 years, <laughs> okay. and when he got her, she was an adult. So this snake is, like, at minimum born in, like, 1985 or 86, possibly wow. older than that. Oh my so, God. like, it's pretty long. I want to hear about your third snake, but I also want to hear how old The third snake is a, is, a, um, is a thing called a bear. Baird's rat snake, which was a species that occurs in northern Mexico and West Texas. Mm-hmm. And this particular Baird's rat snake, um, I was out on a basically on a camping trip and we got a flat tire. Mm-hmm. And this is in West Texas, and a utility vehicle went by us, like a utility van went by mm-hmm. us. We got the flat changed. We went up like two miles, and there's this snake that had been run over in Aww. the road. Aww. And it's this juvenile Baird's rat snake. At that point, it was about two feet, two and a half feet long. So, but it was moving, like I picked it up. You know, I, I'm a museum scientist, and so I even – this was when I was in grad school. I picked it up, and I thought, well, this thing's going to die. I may as well collect it and turn it into a museum specimen. Wow. But I, didn't have, I didn't have any gear with me. No, was, I picked it up, and the thing was crawling all over the place, but it was it was literally gurgling up blood. Aww. And I could see that its jaw was broken, and I could see that it Whoa. had a spot on its back that was broken. And so oh, no. I didn't have any way to euthanize it. And still have it like be a decent specimen, and so I had this debate of like, what am I going to do with this thing? And I decided that 
so that it wouldn't stress out, I would put it in a bag and I would put it in this cooler. So literally like snake in a bag, bag of ice, mm-hmm. like 12 beers in a cooler. We go on this canoe trip. We're away for like 36 hours. We come back. I check on the snake. And I, I was like, this snake was going to die within minutes, yeah. right? Yeah. And I open up the cooler. All the ice is melted. There's a snake in a bag, and he's looking up at me, and it's like the slowest tongue flicks you've ever seen because he's so cold. Oh, no. So I grab this snake. I throw him under my shirt so he can warm up. Oh, my God. And, uh, Bless you, sir. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> under your shirt. And he like, becomes super active. I put him into a dry into a dry cooler uh-huh. with some paper towels to see if he's still bleeding. He's not bleeding. Um, I ended up... What a you know, resilient I waited little like, yeah, I waited like snake. two months. His jaw eventually slowly healed. Wow. Um, I started feeding him. There's a non-native gecko. This is... I was, really quickly, rewind. How did you know its jaw was broken? Oh, you could see it. It was like clearly... And what, it reset its own fucking jaw? So snakes have like this amazing ability to kind of survive like incredible trauma. And so I just thought if I don't if it doesn't have to use its jaw for a couple months, and then if it doesn't have to use its jaw for anything, like where there's a lot of force on the jaw, how for a while, are you like feeding maybe it? Then? So in, in Texas, gecko. there's these geckos called Mediterranean house geckos. I was in Austin at the time, the University of Texas, Austin, and so I would just collect geckos and I would pinch off their tails, Whoa. and then I would feed the snake the tails because then he could just take them right off of a yeah. pair of forceps nope. and swallow them right down without there being like, you know, much trauma to the jaw. Wow. So I did that for like. I don't know, six or eight months. Yeah. And then eventually I got it to switch over to eating pinky mice. And um, which don't have any, any you know, hair now, on them. So they're easy to swallow. He, the snake was taking the tail from you willingly. Yeah. Yeah. I thought snakes want to eat things that are alive. So, I mean, in general, yes. But I don't think the snake had much of a choice in what yeah. it was going to eat. And it, mm. in, in the wild, they mostly eat lizards. And so uh-huh. I think it was happy to be like, oh, that smells good. I'll yeah. eat that. Mm-hmm. Like I know that. And it's mm-hmm. certainly the case that in the wild, if you're going after a living lizard mm-hmm. and you strike it and you end up grabbing the tail, yeah. that, that that you know the living part of the lizard, the body of the lizard is going to just keep running off, right? Yeah. And the lizard's going to live and it's going to drop its tail. It's called atomizing the yeah. tail. Yeah. Oh, right, so right, right. it's really common that snakes in the wild are just Scoop eating the tail. tail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, not a huge shock that it was like, oh, tail, that's fine. I can mm-hmm. I'll totally eat this lizard yeah. tail. Yeah. Okay, I have a few So that snake is here. also now, you know, I got that snake in 2001. That snake probably hatched in 98. So, again, you know, it's a 21-year-old. My, and my, so his name, if, if he has a name, it's Lazarus for the obvious ah. resurrection. Oh my and what do you mean if it has a name? Like, how, why, I mean, how did you decide, oh, I'm not going to name these pets of mine? Because that seems like a really just common, like, of course I'm going to name my pet. It's my pet. Yeah, I did that when I was younger. But but I'm so saying you have so your girl, your your yeah, the Sambo. Yeah. Why don't you just call her fucking Sandy or something? Right. Yeah, you could. What, like, <laughs> do you do you talk to her ever? Yeah, sure. You know, say hello. Were you like, hey, Sandboa lady? Yeah. Was it was it something where you felt like I'm gonna get too attached if I give it a name? No, I mean I'm totally. They're they're great snakes. I like them. Yeah. I don't. I just you really. A, I, I mean, just don't have a need to name them. I mean, personifying the this snake that you saved, like huge. You know, I mean, like that to me sounds Does like that you snake saved know a kid. What you did for it? Yeah. <laughs> Is uh, it grateful? It never, at least I don't know. It's never bitten me. It's always been very friendly. It's a great snake. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a yeah. great snake. I mean, yeah. if that snake doesn't love you, yeah, I'm gonna be really just put off by snakes forever. I, well, then just to convince you, yes, I'm sure it loves me. Ah, that's nice. Okay. But now in reality, how old, I'm how sure old can snakes get? So there, there are some records in captivity for certain species getting into the mid-40s. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's uncommon for most species. Like, mm. I in think for yeah, and in the wild, it's even lower, right? Yeah. So in captivity, we're like living's pretty easy. There's like a ready mm. supply of water. There's a ready supply of food. Mm. Like, sure, you can no maybe you can make it into the mid 40s with you know veterinary care at a mm. zoo or something. Yeah. Um, but for some of like the common species in the pet trades, like ball pythons and corn snakes, like you know hitting late 20s, early 30s is certainly not uncommon. Yeah. Um, cool. And then for most wild snakes like getting up into like like for like rattlesnakes for example or gopher snakes king snakes Mm -hmm. getting even up into double digits is like quite the accomplishment certainly rattlesnakes like 13 14 15 years is like Mm -hmm. not uncommon but why why? is there a reason they don't live as long yeah life is tough you know they're getting what predators what predators birds so certainly hawks are taking yeah. out lots of snakes i mean in our area right so yeah. like throughout much of you know like the u.s like hawks are big predators mm-hmm. other snakes are big predators mm-hmm. and then there's lots of mammals right bobcats mountain lions coyotes mm-hmm. eating snakes up. are eating snakes left and right yeah yeah so by the what, way, if, that, what if oh, a, what if one of those animals got bit by a rattlesnake uh, varies by species. So, like, some of them, like king snakes, for example, seem to have minimal effect from rattlesnake venom. Mm-hmm. Certainly other things, like, say, like a bobcat or a mm-hmm. coyote, are absolutely going to be impacted by it. But mm-hmm. they don't seem—you don't see the death rates in those species that you would expect given their body mass. Yeah. So they seem to be able to handle it better than, say, yeah. humans can. Okay. So they can right. metabolize the poison. We don't totally know what's going on, but there's something like that going yeah. on. It's yeah. crazy how much we don't know yeah. about these yeah. snakes. Um, Rattlesnakes. We've like talked a ton about snakes, but like very little about this movie. I feel bad. No, no, don't feel bad. Uh, This movie uh, got plenty of attention. Apparently, that's true. If it made three times what it cost to make, yeah, I know. It's absolutely unbelievable. There is. There are actually some things in the movie that they got right. Like it's easy to like talk about the things that they got wrong because there's so many of them. Mm -hmm. Like like the snakes are clearly too big. Mm -hmm. Right. The snakes are like eating way too much. They're not arboreal. You know, there's all these things that are wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. But like. One of the things that amazed me that they got right is, like, if you actually slow down some of the bite sequences Mm. and you look at the snake with its mouth open, Mm -hmm. they actually got the fact that snakes have these rows of teeth that are not just on the maxilla, so not just, like, sort of where you'd expect them to be, Mm -hmm. but they actually have another set of teeth that are inside that are on, like, basically, like, the top of the palate. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's on these bones called the palatine and the pterygoid. And, like... They actually got that right. Like, yeah. snakes really have that. And they specific... actually put in the palatine and the pterygoid teeth, which I was like, that is so cool yeah, that yeah. they got that right. Now, the weird thing is, like, depending on which scene you stop it at, mm-hmm. sometimes they have teeth on the lower jaw mm. and sometimes they don't. And it's like, okay, that's weird. Like, why yeah. is it that's, that just yeah. doesn't make any sense? But anyhow, but like, they got that right, which I was what like, what about when okay. the snake cool. bit the dude's finger? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that part when John yeah. Boyd was like, oh, they're such a. <laughs> they're young. So this was like. <laughs> such efficient cr- killers or something yeah. like that. Having remember. not seen the movie in 20 years, like, the one scene I really remembered was when they blew up that dam of wooden, snakes and that wooden yeah. dam. Snakes flying and there's in snakes the snakes everywhere. Yeah. And so the funny thing is, like, the snake that's actually on, what do we call that guy? We, uh, we call Wit. him Wit. Yeah. Yeah. So the snake that's biting Wit's finger uh-huh. is actually, like, I don't know if it's, like, CG or whatever it is. Like, it's actually, it actually looks like an anaconda. Oh. Like, it actually had the right pattern for an anaconda, that's which nice. was great. Like, that was positive. Yeah. But then... Then John Voight's character, like, turns turns away and grabs this bigger snake that's, like, I don't know, four or five feet long. And he gets it and he throws it into the water, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, go be with your mama. Yeah. Uh-huh. Except that that snake was a boa constrictor. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which, like, does occur in that area. So, like, uh-huh. is a snake that actually could be, like, mm-hmm. found there. Yeah. But, and blown up in a dam or whatever. But, like. Sure. 
that's not. By the way, that's are not there a, a baby bunch of snakes of just living in a dam? <laughs> I mean, a big wooden structure like that. You know, that's a good. That's a good spot for like mm. snakes to hang out. Yeah, sure. Okay, but okay. like, also are there going to be seven? Hundred of those snakes yeah. in such a small area? Yeah. No, clearly not. You know, okay. Like I think about you know the like spots where I've seen large numbers of snakes, and it's rare, and it's usually things like you know it's like garter snakes around a pond. You know, maybe you get lucky if you see like ten or fifteen, mm-hmm. and you know, if 10 you're minutes. lucky, yeah, yeah, lucky, yeah. <laughs> but it makes sense that that little baby would like eat your finger like that because no, he was I bleeding mean, like immediately. Yeah, I don't know. That would yeah. not. I mean, no, it's not going to make much sense. Okay, yeah, yeah I would imagine like, oh, I this love guy's how he's like, he's like afraid. so venomous or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was some... like, uh, well, how come he's not dead? <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> right. Not yeah. venomous. These guys are not venomous. Not venomous. Okay. Um, I mean, I have a bunch of stuff here. I don't know what we've covered, what we haven't. Oh, I have a thing about um, uh, a reward, financial reward for. A huge snake. Do you know yeah. about that yeah. stuff? Yeah, actually initiated by Teddy Roosevelt. That's right. Yeah, yeah. he offered a thousand dollars in the early. 1900s, yeah, and then it got all the way up. It kept raising the price for like these big snakes. Yeah, it hasn't uh, kept up with it hasn't kept up with like the wait. This is for real. This Roosevelt for real, was like yeah. Roosevelt was yeah. like put a price on a. So I think a, it's a the snake. is it it's the like, Bronx Zoo that did this? Yes, yeah. Does I think it now you're right. and like and it's now the Wildlife Conservation Society. I think it's up to like 50 grand or something. Yeah, like it that. said 50 grand. That's yeah. right in 1980. Is it is it for it's for a 10 meter long? I think it's yeah 30 feet. Uh, it's 30. Okay. But nobody's done it. Nobody's ever brought it in. Yep. So, so and I think I mean this is the thing, right? Is like it's actually it's actually going to be reasonably measured, and so mm-hmm. that's the problem. Is like these claims to a snake that's like in even up into the mid twenties. You know, once you get above like, I mean, for an anaconda, once you get above twenty, it's I mean, once you basically get above eighteen, it's pretty much mm-hmm. speculative. Wow. For a reticulated python, once you get above about twenty five feet, that's like in there with the largest snakes that have ever ever been documented and so even with that money and all of this effort like nobody's ever gotten anything even all that close to sort of that 30 foot mark yeah it would be cool oh if you could do that but if you think uh, about like even these snakes that are like in captivity kind of living a life of luxury like tons of food Mm -hmm. you know even those snakes are maxing out I mean, the suggestions is that there's some that are in, like, the 24, 25, 26-foot range for reticulated pythons. Mm-hmm. But that's, again, those are living animals, not animals that have been carefully measured. Right. And what we see is that when these animals are carefully measured, suddenly they go from being 24, 25, 26 feet to being 4, 5, 6 feet smaller than that. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, okay, so I have a few potentially stupid questions. Um, one of them is uh, snake charming. I read that they don't actually respond to sound. And okay, go ahead. So, okay, so there's like lots of cool things going on with like snakes and sound. So first of all, snakes don't have external ear openings. Yeah. And in fact, the bone that in our ear, in our middle ear, the stapes, Mm -hmm. in snakes, that bone, that same like developmentally the same bone actually is part of the jaw articulation. Wow. So whereas we have like a single point where our jaw articulates, Mm -hmm. the snake's jaw articulation actually is composed of not just the sort of maxilla and the mandible, but actually this third bone. Mm. And so they actually have two points where the jaws articulating on each side, okay. which is why snakes can, can detach, which is no, there's no, that whole idea of like snakes can detach their jaws. Like, nope, they don't detach their jaws at all. Okay. Uh-huh. There are just like in, you know, just like in oh, our bodies. So it's just, they have two points where yeah, the jaw it's just, can they expand. can open up, they can yeah. just open up their mouths really yeah. broadly. Okay. And so because they have these two points of articulation, and so that's why you can get something like a near sort of 180 degree gape yeah. in some species of snakes. <laughs> and so, yeah. so, but, 
the result of all this is like they can't hear in the way that we hear, right? Because mm-hmm. they don't have these external ear openings. They don't have the same ear bones. Mm-hmm. But they are, you know, mostly on the ground. So they can sense or vibration. they're in contact with some substrate. And so they can mm-hmm. certainly sense vibration. They can mm-hmm. sense things moving around. And perhaps Whoa. their tongue in the air can sense sound waves in the air. Well, there's we what we don't know is like, for, like a lot of aquatic animals have various ways of detecting movement in the water, like detecting mm-hmm. like even like the movement of water, the movement mm-hmm. of other things around them. And I think there's probably a lot of research that could be done on like the ability of snakes to detect that. That hasn't okay. been well studied. Okay. So there's probably some other senses there that we don't know a whole ton about. So okay. how are they just detecting the movement then of this snake charmer and coming out? Like, oh, so you're talking about for like when people are oh, like people who are trying to charm snakes? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's so many things that are going on there. So in most cases, what we see with snake charming is that those animals are like on death's door. So they're probably not well fed. Oh, they're no. probably super dehydrated. They've oftentimes, for things like a lot of the cobras, they've actually had the they're what we call venomoid. They've had the venom glands removed, or they've at least had the fangs broken off. Oh man! And oftentimes so they've sad. had their mouths sewn shut. So if you actually like look closely at like high quality photos of people who are charming snakes, you can oftentimes see some of the remaining sutures where their mouths Damn. have been sewed shut. So how do the fucking snakes eat? Yeah, exactly. So oh, maybe so cool. every so again you're talking about animals that can go for months. Why doesn't PETA make videos about this? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. PETA, not local. Um, so yeah, what we're seeing with snake charming is that it's not about the sound probably at all. They're probably looking at the movement. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's probably about the movement. Crazy. But it's also the case that they're probably not able to do anything to the person because they've had all these other things done yeah. to them. Okay. Yeah. Um, another, like, classic horror movie trope, mostly with sharks, or, like, when we talked about Lake Placid, I think, like, blood in the water, uh, and that, like, attracts yeah. somebody how did they to not, kill. How did there, how was there not a piranha theme in Anaconda? Like, Good you've call. got yeah, all this totally. blood in the water, yep. and then there's, like, never an an, never a piranha incident. No, it's all like, snakes, baby. But we, he made a piranha joke at one point. Yeah, they even references, but like they never bring in the piranhas in the movie. Which I think was we like, need a piranha verse totally anaconda. Um, I love when he he bled out the when John Voight bled out the uh, monkey and had yeah. that barrel of monkey blood and tosses yeah. it on him. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, is yeah. That... So this idea of like scenting the prey on him. Yeah. So that's different. Like there, oh. what you're trying to do is you're. I mean, it's weird to do it. It's actually really weird to think about doing it with blood. Like, there's totally no necessarily, necessarily any point in doing it with mm-hmm. the blood. Mm-hmm. What you should really do, like. A snake is not sensing the blood of its favorite prey item. Mm-hmm. A snake is like smelling that prey item. Like okay. when we smell a cow, a living cow, we're not smelling steak. No. Unfortunately. Yeah. We're smelling like barnyard. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So if you want to actually make something smell like a common prey item, mm-hmm. you don't throw its blood on it. Mm-hmm. You take that dead animal, like if you think this thing eats monkeys, well then take the monkey and rub them all over with the monkey. Make yeah. them smell like a monkey. monkey mm-hmm. yeah. And then that's going to draw the snake towards it. Yeah, I was yeah. confused about that. Because yeah. it's like, I don't know, I always see it with sharks and I thought, oh, maybe they just thought, eh, it's the same shit, cover them in blood. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, sharks actually are detecting. Right. So blood that's the thing, water, right? Yeah. Is that But sharks feed in a totally different way. Like snakes mm. eat they're in general, this isn't true for every species of snake, but for almost every species of snake, the snakes eat the entire thing whole. Mm-hmm. And then the digestive tract will then basically Break the stomach uh-huh. and breaks it down, right? Yeah. And so they're not sensing the blood. They're thinking about what does this thing smell like from the outside? Therefore, what is it? Do I want to eat it? Yes, then they're going to eat it. But they're not thinking about like the blood. Got but it. sharks, absolutely, they're not just taking out 
things in the water, but like once they bite something and it falls into pieces, they're trying to like find those pieces or they're mm-hmm. trying to find like a dead whale or something mm-hmm. else that's right. dead. So they're trying to, they're able to sense these other cues in the environment, like the smell of blood. So snakes, will snakes eat anything that's dead? So snakes will, so some snakes will scavenge. Mm-hmm. Some won't, but some will scavenge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that common that they scavenge. So mm-hmm. it's much more common that they're eating live animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And like you can talk to people who keep snakes in captivity and there are some species that it's really hard to get them adjusted to eating things like, you know, mice that you might buy, buy frozen and then like mm-hmm. thaw them out. Like some snakes right. are just like, no, I want to eat this thing alive. Yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah. I want it nice and warm and fresh. Like you get that. I have another very oh. stupid question. There's a point in the movie where the snake pops up out of the water and like spits out like projectile the monkey at somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, well, how did that happen? What is that? Yeah, so I, we were talking about regurgitation a little yeah. bit earlier. So like the reasons that snakes regurgitate is if, so if a snake eats a huge meal, then the challenge is that the snake, you know, like that 200 pound anaconda we were talking about earlier, if he eats a 100 pound capybara, like now it's a 300 pound animal that's trying to move around. And that's really hard. Like that's a lot of mass. That you yeah. So it'll digest around. some of it and then get well, rid of the rest. No, what happens is if it's recently, if it's like a recent meal, like let's mm. say it's been two days, three days, maybe mm. even up to four days, hasn't digested that much, and some predator or some human starts messing with that snake. Mm-hmm. Sometimes then what they'll do is they will regurgitate that prey item mm-hmm. so that then they're either better able to flee or better able to mount a defense. Oh. Yeah. So that's the ways in which you see cool. snakes regurgitate. And so the problem, of course, is that if they have to regurgitate something that's not going to go, that's basically meant for a one-way trip, right? Yeah. So like you see this sometimes with things like um, African rock pythons. They might take out... Um, uh, some of these porcupines in Africa, mm-hmm. like super spiny, mm-hmm. and then you're trying you can't regurgitate. That's a, that's a, a one way yeah. meal. That's a and so yeah. you get these situations where like these things get stressed out. They try to regurgitate this oh, thing, no. and then they end up destroying. You know, end up basically killing themselves by trying oh, to regurgitate. They impale this thing itself. Yeah, on a porcupine. Porcupine's yeah. revenge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's actually good advice just for humans too. Like if yeah. you're stressed or like being robbed you know yeah, yeah. Just throw if, a, up. if a man's chasing me through an alley and he's about to rape me I'll just be like <laughs> yeah, so yeah. there's actually like come and get me if you actually yeah if you think about I'm this from like now. the like the animal perspective like there's it's not a really common defense right like huh. lots of things will either poop all over you or puke all over you mm. right as a defense mechanism Whatever oh they say do. they say they tell women if you're if you're if someone's raping you to pee or poop on the guy <sighs> wow Good advice, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. your options are limited. Yeah. Do what Stick you, you got to do. Yeah. Um, okay, great. Oh, the other one, <laughs> the other stupid question was, and I know that this can't be true, but there's a few times in the movie where the snake will scream. It, like, lets out this, like, crazy shriek. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do snakes make any sounds at all? <laughs> okay, so this is, like, another one of the things that's related to a part of the movie that's actually they actually show which is that sometimes you'll see when the snake opens its mouth mm-hmm. there's this weird tube like structure yeah. that kind of comes yeah, yeah, yeah. up from uh-huh. the floor of the mouth mm-hmm. well that's the glottis okay. and the re- snakes have that because if you're eating like a big meal mm-hmm. you sort of need to, how do you breathe if it's going to take you like two hours to get some meal down yeah. yeah and so that glottis they can actually sort of stick out and kind of to the side a little ways mm-hmm. and get just beyond that prey item so that then they can still get air cool. while they're consuming something mm-hmm. and the top of that glottis often has a little cartilaginous ring. And so if they expel air quickly, mm-hmm. it actually can produce a hissing sound. So like um, gopher snakes and bull snakes, which are this really widespread, um, it's a genus of snakes that occurs across much of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Like that's a species that actually, as part of its defensive display, will hiss. Mm-hmm. 
But like that's it. They can hiss. Hiss. That they're not. Yeah. That's uh, it. There's, there's no, no snakes ever going to be like. There's no screaming. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. They. But they can hiss. There were yeah. some scary screams. There, there were some so screams I, that made yeah. no sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, this is so one of the, one of the species that I work on is a thing called the coquille frog. Okay. So I'm just thinking about sounds that were in the movie, mm-hmm. and one of the things that was so exciting for me in the movie as I was, I was watching it is that I always listen to like what do they dub into the movie yeah, it's yeah. like the background like sure. swamp uh-huh. sound and they actually dubbed in coquille frogs Whoa. which was kind of cool can like, you do an impression of a coquille frog well, the for us? Coquille, it actually says it's called a coquille frog because it says coquille like it's call is Whoa. coquille coquille but like much more pretty oh than I just God, gave how it cute. Oh, that's and so really this nice. is the species that in it's actually so it's endemic to Puerto Rico, native to Puerto Rico, but was transported via the nursery plant trade to Hawaii. And it's the one that's like gone crazy in Hawaii and is causing problems in certain areas, it's caused like home prices to go down because it's so loud. Whoa. And it's, and it's caused uh, a lot of the hotels have had problems because they people are on their vacation and they're like they get to this place and they can't <laughs> sleep anymore because these frogs are calling all night long. That's awesome. And yeah, but they're native to Puerto Rico. Why, what do they call for? Oh, that's males calling to attract females. Oh, mm-hmm. fucking just so no, many if horny you, dudes. Just no, horny I mean, frogs, you, man. I mean, you know, this is the reality, right? It's like if you're hearing birds call, if you're hearing frogs call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, we'll all walk outside and we're going to hear birds call. And what are they mostly saying? They're mostly saying, hey, ladies, hey, ladies, hey, ladies, hey, ladies, hey, ladies. Oh. Right. So just so you know, when you're walking down the street and you're like, oh, these pretty bird sounds, that's 100 percent about sex. Oh, Let's God. just be clear about what's going on. <laughs> all men. Hashtag all men. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Everyone. So, I mean, it's there's more than that to it. It's like it's not just like attracting females. It's also like announcing territory ownership. Mm-hmm. But why are things announcing territory ownership? Well, that's mm-hmm. to yeah. basically showcase yeah. their territory. To the the so, so anyhow. I was super excited that there was coquille frogs in the back. That's a Puerto Rican species. You can hear them in Puerto Rico. You can hear them in Hawaii. They're actually starting to get introduced to California. Mm-hmm. You can't hear them in the Amazon basin, but you can hear them in Anaconda. Okay, Hilarious. very cool. Um, and then I just wanted to give people like a heads up on snakes that might be in their area. I don't know if there's like a cute uh, rhyme scheme for like, you know, black and yellow means they're mellow or whatever. Like when should people look out for snakes and when are they like, oh, this snake is cool? Yeah, so there is that there is a rhyme. Okay. And it, only, it only works in the United States. Oh. And so I don't even know what it is. Here's the answer. If you can't positively ID the snake and know exactly what it is, then don't mess with it. That's yeah. That's like that's smart. pretty easy. I think right? as a general rule, just don't mess with snakes. Yeah, I mean, that's good. Even for that's people like too. me, like who study them, right? When I come across, like if I'm out hiking or mountain biking or mm-hmm. something, I come across a snake. I don't. I don't just go pick them up. Right. Because why unless am they're I gonna, injured. Why am, unless they're injured. Yeah. Why am I going to introduce like that stress to that animal's life? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like why is it more important that I get to be like, oh, I picked up the snake. Like let me take a selfie with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Why is that more important than like recognizing that this is an animal that's like living its own life and we shouldn't introduce stress yeah. to its life? So like what I do is I watch them. You know, I just want to like. What is it going to do? You know, is it going to do some interesting behavior? Is it like looking for water? Is it looking for food? Like, what's it up to? Like, you can watch it. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyhow, it's spring right now. And so I what I get every spring is I sort of get like calls from the media of like, oh, my God, it's rattlesnake season. Like, what do we do? And um, and this is, you know. It's, it's, you know, why does the movie Anaconda do so well, right? It's because it plays off of people's fears, inherent uh-huh. fears yeah. of snakes. Like, sure. same thing that these rattlesnake articles do. Where the reality, right, is that Anaconda is not a single documented human fatality. Yeah. Uh, in the United States, we have something like seven to 8,000 venomous snake bites a year. Over half of those are because the person identified the snake and chose to interact with it. Uh-huh. So, like, Douche. basically, that's your own darn fault. And then... There's something like five to six human fatalities a year in the United States as a result of snake bites. So, like, mm, okay, this so. is just not that big of an issue yeah. cool. relative to, like, other things. Um, Do you feel less afraid of snakes now that— 
I mean, still very much scared of snakes. I just, they're, I mean. The way they move? Does that freak I you I think out? they're fascinating. I'll watch a million videos about them. I'll, I just, yeah. So here's the thing. I think you should, like, you have, from an evolutionary perspective, you have every reason to be afraid of snakes. Mm. So mammals have this, you know, multi-million year history of evolving on a landscape with snakes in mm-hmm. which we have been, in which we are eating snakes, we are prey to mammals as a whole, mm-hmm. eating snakes, prey to snakes, also competing with snakes for food. Mm-hmm. So there's this great study done on reticulated pythons um, based on a bunch of interviews done in the 70s. It actually was one of the like first really solid studies to document regular predation of pythons on people. And this mm-hmm. happens to be for a group called the Agta Negrito, which like adult males are like roughly right around 100 pounds and like four and a half feet tall. So, you know, smaller than what most people are in this country. Um, but this was a sort of royal hunter-gatherer community. Mm-hmm. And in this particular group that they were interviewing, 26% of adult males had had predatory bites from reticulated pythons. Mm-hmm. And there were six documented fatalities sort of in the history of this community, like within yeah. the last couple of generations. Okay, that's just for what we have right now, right? But if you think back to like four million years ago, five million years ago, where our lineage, you know, is smaller, mm-hmm. is also in Africa, different mm-hmm. suite of snakes, a lot more venomous snakes. Mm-hmm. Um, our evolutionary history is about, uh, it's a history of being on a landscape with snakes yeah. and certainly being prey to snakes. Yeah. Yeah. And so it makes sense that we would have an inherent fear of snakes. Yeah. It's like fear of snakes to me, it's like, yeah, that. That evolutionarily, that that makes it, sense. It, it requires out. us to keep us fear, alive. Fear of yeah. heights. Fear, like, yeah, yeah. I get it. That makes yeah. sense. Like you're like claustrophobic. You don't want to go in caves. Not necessarily unreasonable. Like yeah. mm-hmm. you know, scary not stuff. Not a place in that you can easily see, and like you're putting yourself in places that you can't easily yeah. like mount a defense or run away. Like yeah. right, those right. are leg- like those are reasonable fears. There's l- the vast majority of people's fears are like totally unreasonable. Yeah. yeah but like yeah. you want to be scared of snakes. Like that's fine. Now you want to be scared of snakes. Fine. <laughs> But then when you see a snake, don't then be like, oh, well, the right thing to do is kill it. No, you're afraid of snakes. Like, just leave the area. Like, yeah, let yeah, the snake yeah, be. Yeah, like, yeah. it's totally fine. Stop killing snakes. Yeah, people. stop killing snakes. Totally not worth it. Yeah, that makes sense. And we already know that the vast majority of snake bites come from people choosing to interact with snakes. Yeah. yeah. So, like, so if I'm just walking on a trail, like, no no rattlesnake's going to fucking lunge out of nowhere. Yeah, so this is the thing, right? Like, no, they're not. Like, they don't chase you. They... Basically, they aren't sitting there waiting for me to walk by. No, and but they like, are waiting for a rabbit to go by. They are waiting for um, a deer mouse to go by. They mm-hmm. are waiting for a kangaroo rat to cruise by, right? Like, mm-hmm. they are waiting for a prey item. And if you are out wandering around in places where there's snakes, like, it's pretty easy. Just don't put your hands, don't put your feet places where you can't see. Right. And then if you see something like a rattlesnake, it's really easy what you do. Walk away. Well, yes, but before you walk away, you pull out your phone and you take a picture of yeah. it. Yeah. Like, and the and reason I say it, that is because. send it to someone. No, you send it, you send it into this wonderful website called iNaturalist, which is actually this mm. amazing community science platform where people can upload photos of wildlife and plants that they see. Mm. And then scientists like me actually use those observations for asking various research questions. So, like, oh. I use this here in Los Angeles as a way to take modern day observations, compare them to historical museum records, and then understand how species are responding to urbanization like how are their ranges shifting in response to urbanization okay. and all those modern records come from basically people's cell phones iNaturalist iNaturalist yep. can I upload because I was just cool. hiking in uh, Red Rock outside of Las Vegas um, and I saw this staining. don't tell me you saw a Gila monster because I'm just going to be too jealous no 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 <laughs> I didn't see any any animals I just saw staining on rocks there was a, a stain on a bunch of different rocks oh. in a certain area 
but like not like a pictograph, not like not like Native Americans. No, no, it was an environmental, oh, okay. like yeah, yeah, something. Yeah. Some I don't know what it was. It was a mineral deposit on a rock, mm. and I was like, "What is this?" Yeah. So iNaturalist is specifically for animals, living organisms. Okay, gotcha. but any fungus, okay, plants, animals. Okay, um, there are probably also websites out there that focus on like geological features. Okay, but that's I just don't know them. Okay, cool. But this iNaturalist site is like oh, cool. truly changing the way that biodiversity scientists. I'm do assuming research, they're probably so. on Instagram posting some of these cool things. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm into this. Yeah, and Great. I actually harvest photos off of Instagram, like uh-huh. for particular things that I'm interested in studying. Yeah. I might take photos off of Instagram, like maybe it's like predator prey interactions yeah. or interesting behaviors. I might find those on Instagram and use those in research yeah. as well. Hmm. Follow so. follow nature as metal. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, 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 I follow. Yeah. I follow. Yeah. There's so many cool yeah. animal interactions. Yeah. yeah. Well, this leads us perfectly into our little plug section here at the end. Obviously, you have your book out right now. People can yeah. purchase on Amazon. And yeah. So people wherever. who are in the LA area, there's this new book, Wild LA: Explore Nature in and Around Los, Explore the Amazing Nature in and Around Los Angeles. Um, just came out in the last couple of weeks. Um, I think it's a great book for people. I mean, obviously I'm biased. Of course, I think it's a great book. No, I think it's a great book for people that are living in this area mm-hmm. um, that are, like, excited about nature or thinking about getting excited about nature. But I think it's it's also a great book for people who are thinking about visiting L.A. It's got 101 species accounts, 25 recommended trips. So it's kind of a trip planner as well. So Cool. Yep, and people my, can check out the Natural History Museum. And people can check out, yeah, people people absolutely can check out the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles County as well as the La Brea Tar Pits in Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are coming to visit L.A., you should absolutely check out both of those places. The La Brea Tar Pits is the world's best Ice Age fossil site, and it literally sits on Wilshire Boulevard. Like, that's completely ridiculous and amazing, and you should check <laughs> it out. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, come check out the Natural History Museum, and wherever you are, you should start taking photos and uploading them to iNaturalist. Great. Awesome. Nicole Schreiber. Hello. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, uh, f- my podcast, Getting to Know You. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a social experiment podcast where two human beings get to know each other only on a podcast. Great. Uh, so if that's your sort of thing. We don't really have that many guests. We try to have guests from our life. Um, so if you're into that sort of thing, it's like you're eavesdropping on two humans getting to know one another. That sounds and fun. then um, uh, I do stand up comedy here in Los Angeles and around the country. So come see me. Um, I post my shows on my Instagram. Um, I'm bad at updating my website. Try to get better at that. When does this podcast come out? I'm not sure. It could come out tomorrow. Could come out next week. Okay. Um, well, you know, come 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 see shows. I'm at the comedy store at least two to three nights a week. So. Great. Where can people find you on Oh, social media, social media, at Nicole Amy, N-I-C-O-L-E-A-I-M-E-E. Um, that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Great. Um, and that's my website as well. So Wonderful. Well, cool. I very much enjoyed our conversation here today. Thank you both. Thank Thanks you, Nicole. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for having us. And I'll see you next time when we do Python versus submarine snake. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We yeah. Could- a movie that nobody could find, but an amazing movie, Fair to Lance. Fair, Fair to Lance. Lance. Okay, perfect. Great. All right. See you. All right. Bye. Bye. Um, oh, my God. Snakes. Bad Science is hosted and produced by me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our social media producers are Kate Baker and EJ Gullet. And the executive Balserano Ducer is Brett Kushner. Mateo. No, nobody's name on tail that works on the team. Anyways, follow us on Instagram at Bad Science Show. That's at Bad Science Show. You can send us an email at badscienceatseeker.com. And please rate us and review us on iTunes. That helps us grow, lets other people know about the show. And next week, we'll be talking about the Avengers, 2012's The Avengers. So watch that if you haven't. And I'll see you next week. Bye.